Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, Literally Heather. Thanks to a 60-minute interview with Paul Ehrlich, the all the you should die because we can't sustain the earth with your existence people have spent the last 24 hours fanatically writing articles about it. Do you ever find it odd that they are always playing the role of Chicken Little from the rooftops, telling us how there's too many of us, but they're never taking their own lives in the name of their cause? I do. Any man or woman telling me that I should not exist and I'm taking up too much space without eliminating their own carbon footprint can get bent. I've watched that documentary. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, Mr. Jim Jones. The article that I link here poses the question of what year will the human population grow too large for too too large too large for the earth to sustain? The answer presented is 1970 according to research by the World Wildlife Fund. In 1970, the planet, three and a half billion people were sustainable. But today, the population is eight billion. Today, wild plants and animals are running out of places to live. The scientists say the earth is suffering a crisis of mass extinction on a scale unseen since the dinosaurs. Okay, So before I go any further, this is feeling very, the science is settled in its presentation. Most articles that I cover traditionally present a, here's the position, and I agree with it, so I'm going to slant my coverage in that direction, but here's the other theory that's not as good or whatever. This article, however, is gung-ho, with the final paragraph saying, the five mass extinctions of the ancient past were caused by natural calamities, volcanoes, and an asteroid. Today, if the science is right, humanity may have to survive a sixth mass extinction in a world of its own making. Gotta love that line, quote, if the science is right. Well, science is not set in stone, and I would argue the theory of evolution should be revisited at this point with some of the shit that I've seen people putting on the internet. I digress, though. Back to the article. Scott Pelley sits down with Ehrlich also for this article. He starts the interview by asking, you seem to be saying that humanity is not sustainable. And Ehrlich responds, oh, humanity is not sustainable. To maintain our lifestyle, yours and mine basically, for the entire planet, you'd need five more Earths. Not clear where they're going to come from. Kelly responds back and said, just in terms of the resources that would be required, like asking, and Ehrlich says, resources that would be required, the systems that support our lives, which of course are the biodiversity that we're wiping out, humanity is very busily sitting on a limb that we're sawing off. The rate of extinction is extraordinarily high and getting higher all the time. Here's the thing. Ten years ago, a group of analysts and scientists, ones who didn't find the science so settled, which happened to include the chief scientist for the Nature Conservancy, 
debunked the claim that five Earths are required to sustain humanity. They released a peer-reviewed scientific journal called Does the Shoe Fit? Real versus Imagined Ecological Footprints. I'm going to link the study in the show notes as well for your reference if this is something that you might be interested in reading. The study breaks down the six measures that comprise the, quote, ecological footprint and found that five of the six, including food and forestry, were either imbalanced or surplus. The only thing out of balance was humankind's carbon emissions. The International Union for Conservation of Nature, which is the main scientific body that tracks species, says just 6% of species are critically endangered, 9% are endangered, and 12% are vulnerable. A mass extinction would require humans to wipe out 75-90% to of all species. The IUCN estimates that just 0.8% of the 112,432 plant, animal, and insect species within its data set have gone extinct since 1500. That's a rate of fewer than two species lost every year for an annual extinction rate of 0.001%. Biodiversity has nearly tripled during the last 100 million years, The total amount of land humankind uses to produce meat peaked in 2000, but since then, land used for livestock and pasture has decreased by an area 80% the size of Alaska. Forgive me, but I do my best to minimize my own personal carbon footprint. I have used a reusable water bottle, bro. Don't at me. Jokes aside... The planet has been around for a long time, and it has a great number of cycles. If you're not demanding nuclear energy in your conversations about carbon reduction, then I have a really difficult time believing that you're serious about the subject and not just grifting for some pet project. Google has agreed to pay a total of $29.5 million to settle two lawsuits over the company's tracking of customer locations. Google used location data from Indiana customers to build detailed user profiles and target ads, but misled users about those practices since at least 2014, said Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita, whose state filed a suit against the company along with Washington, D.C. That's not all they've done, but it's good to see Indiana on the board coming out against big tech. I'd love to see some legislation similar to Texas and Florida that prohibits censorship against their citizens. Um, Google's paying Indiana $20 million to res- resolve the state's lawsuit over the company's deceptive location tracking practices. This settlement is another manifestation of our steadfast commitment to protect Hoosiers from big tech's intrusive schemes, Rakita added. We will continue to hold these companies accountable for their improper manipulation of consumers. D.C.'s Attorney General Carl Racine um, on Friday said that his office had also reached a settlement with Google over the issue for $9.5 million. He said Google tricked customers to gain access to their location data. Google made it, quote, nearly impossible for users to prevent their location from being tracked, he argued. Racine said that as part of the settlement, Google will be required to make clear to its customers how their location data is collected, stored, and used. 
Question is, will it matter? The company agreed in November to pay a record $391 million to settle in an investigation into its tracking practices launched by a coalition of 40 states. Officials had complained that Google was even tracking customers who had opted out of being tracked. It was the largest privacy-related multi-state settlement in the United States history. Google, of course, did not respond about the settlement, but the company said in November that its controversial location tracking practices have already been dropped years before the previous settlement. But have they? So I use an Android device and I have location settings turned off. I still get very specifically targeted advertisements as well as I get a monthly report from Google that comes to my email that says, you went to this city, you ate at this restaurant, you attended an event at this location, blah, blah, you traveled X number of miles this month. Like, bro, why are you so nosy? ISIS phones. Do you remember when Osama bin Laden was killed and people were all like, I didn't see him dead. You threw his body away at sea. Psh, I don't believe that. Well, I feel that way about Jeffrey Epstein. It's like my one true like conspiracy theory. I, to this day, have a very hard time believing that that man is dead. I also have a hard time believing that we haven't strung up every single person that was found to be a co-conspirator of his. Denise George is the attorney general, or was the attorney general, for the Virgin Islands. She had just reached a more than $105 million settlement with Epstein's estate, and as a result of that probe, sued J.P. Morgan Chase. Days later, she lost her job. The federal lawsuit filed in New York accused the bank of having facilitated, sustained, and concealed Epstein's human trafficking network. On December 27th, then-Virgin Islands Attorney General Denise George filed a blistering and heavily redacted 30-page lawsuit against J.P. Morgan Chase. Quote, J.P. Morgan turned a blind eye to evidence of human trafficking over more than a decade because of Epstein's own financial footprint. And because of the deals and clients that Epstein brought and promised to bring to the bank, these decisions were advocated and approved at the senior levels of J.P. Morgan, including by the former chief executive of its asset management division and investment bank, whose inappropriate relationship with Epstein should have been evident to the bank. Indeed, it was only after Epstein's death that J.P. Morgan belatedly complied with federal banking regulations regarding Epstein's accounts. Epstein victims who sued anonymously in a pair of class action complaints previously had accused J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank of complicity in the sex trafficking scheme. Though Epstein, quote-unquote, died in jail before his trial, his co-conspirator Ghislaine Maxwell was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 20 years in prison. Days after the AG's filing of the lawsuit on New Year's Eve, George was removed from her post. Local news outlets in the Virgin Islands reported that the Attorney General had not informed the territory's Governor Albert Bryan about her impending enforcement action. Man, oh man, could you imagine the discovery on that case? Uh, Bryan subsequently confirmed George's termination without providing an explanation for it. In a statement sent to multiple news outlets, he said, I relieved Denise George of her duties as Attorney General this weekend. 
I thank her for her service to the people of the territory during the past four years as Attorney General and wish her the best in her future endeavors. The case that George filed against J.P. Morgan Chase before her departure has been marked as related to the proposed class action lawsuits filed in the same court against J.P. Morgan Chase and Deutsche Bank, currently pending before senior U.S. District Judge Jed Rakoff. Those now-consolidated cases have been scheduled for trial in the Southern District of New York in the summer of 2023. Man, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Denise George. I have some questions. Um, I will be keeping an eye on this, obviously. Uh, It's going to be really interesting to see. uh, You know, it, it makes you wonder, does Brian have some level of involvement that he fires his AG literally like a day after she files a lawsuit against JP Morgan? It's fascinating, isn't it? The way the world turns. Anyway, Facebook is considering whether to allow Donald Trump back onto the platform and is due to announce the decision in the coming weeks. The decision, likely to be one of the most consequential in the company's history, is being considered by a specially formed internal company working group made of leaders from different parts of the organization. Because the decision to remove him wasn't consequential or anything, right? The group includes representatives from the company's public policy, communications, content policy, and safety and integrity teams. I wonder if their FBI and CIA and CISA handlers will be in that internal working group. Trump was banned from Facebook and Instagram after the January 6th incident. Initially, the ban was indefinite, but that was later revised, and the company said it would consider allowing Trump back on the platform after two years. Those two years elapse on Saturday, January 7th. The company is not expected to announce its decision on Saturday. Instead, uh, the spokesperson, Andy Stone, said that the announcement would occur in the coming weeks. The decision to re-platform a former U.S. president is being led by a former deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom, Nick Clegg, who is now Meta's president of global affairs and is overseeing the decision. Clegg has risen through the ranks since joining the company in 2018, a year, after he lost his seat in British Parliament. Over the past year, Clegg has taken public responsibility for more of the company's thorny political decisions, shielding the company's founder, Mark Zuckerberg, who is said to be focusing more on the development of the so-called metaverse. So in other words, Clegg is Twitter's equivalent of Yoel Roth, it seems. Does it strike anyone else odd that the government to social media pipeline is so strong? Anyway, if we determine that there's still a serious risk to public safety, we will extend the restriction for a set period of time and continue to reevaluate until that risk has receded, Clegg wrote. A return to Facebook could be a potential boon for Trump's 2024 election campaign. He has 34 million followers on Facebook. 23 million followers on Instagram. Previous Trump campaigns have lauded the effectiveness of Facebook's targeted advertising tools and have spent millions running Facebook ads. Last month, 
Two Democratic lawmakers, though, urged Meta to maintain Trump's suspension from its platforms, arguing that the former president's recent post on Truth Social suggests that he is likely to violate Facebook's policies if given a chance to do so. For Meta to credibly maintain a legitimate election integrity policy, it is essential that your company maintain its platform ban on former President Donald Donald Trump, California Rep. Adam Schiff, and Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse wrote in a letter. Based on Meta's own statement on standards for allowing Trump back on the platform, his account should continue to be restricted. A couple of things to note here before I move on to my next topic. I'd really be interested to see Adam Schiff's correspondence with Elvis Chan, the FBI agent who has been heavily featured in the Twitter files. Also, it's rich hearing two sitting congressmen urging that the president be restricted for what he might say. That was your dramatic pause for effect. Something, something, swear to abide by and to uphold the Constitution of the United States. Something, something, protects freedom of speech, the press, assembly, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. I feel like preemptively attempting to silence a citizen of the United States in the name of, quote, election integrity policies means things have gone quite awry. As I mentioned on yesterday's show, the House Speaker vote will take place today with Leader McCarthy, as of writing, still lacking enough votes to safely take hold of the gavel. The election of a House Speaker takes place before the chamber has settled on the rules for the next Congress. This means the vote will occur without regular procedures in place. The House will meet for a pro forma session at 10 a.m. on Tuesday and adjourn the 117th Congress with the first session of the 118th to convene at 12 p.m. Prayer will be offered, the Pledge of Allegiance will be recited, and after that will come a roll call vote, at which point Mr. McCarthy or a challenger may fail to reach the 218 votes needed to become Speaker. The clerk can, in theory, repeat the roll call voice vote until a candidate gets a majority, but this is unlikely to go on for long. In the past, three or four votes have taken place at most. Legislators may vote to change how to elect the speaker, such as accepting the winner of a plurality of votes, which hasn't happened since the 1850s, or holding a secret ballot. If Mr. McCarthy fails on the initial ballot, any members elect can make motions. Those who oppose Mr. McCarthy have been looking into their possible paths, with the members of the House Freedom Caucus previously meeting with House Parliamentarian Jason Smith to discuss the process. The vast majority of House Republicans support Mr. McCarthy's bid for Speaker, but about 10 members have forced the leader to scramble for votes as he can only lose four and still make it over the line. It's important to note that no leader has lost the first ballot to become Speaker in a century. I will be at my office working today, but I will do my best to kind of live tweet the mayhem because a girl loves a good drama. That is everything yesterday, this morning on a Tuesday. I love you guys. I hope you have a great day and I will see you here tomorrow.
If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.